to tell your story, um, the story that no one else has written. So you decide, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to wait for a gatekeeper. I'm not going to wait for a, an audition. I'm going to write my series, my story, the story that I think needs to be told. And then you be the champion of that. And next thing you know, you're the writer, creator, star, director of your own thing that then has the opportunity to impact millions of people. And then one day you're an old man or an old woman and some little kid comes up to you and, you, and they're like, you know what? When I was a kid, I saw this and you're the fucking reason I decided to be an actor. You're the reason I got into stand-up comedy and you're the reason that I followed my dreams. Like that's the, the stuff that you got to anchor yourself to and all the imposter syndrome things that come up or potentially the, the financial stresses and, and struggles that happen along the way. All that stuff is just growing pains and, and hopefully you enjoy the journey and then you at the end of your life you look back and be like you know what i, I wouldn't have had it any other way laughing vikings live high vibe chats with actors comedians and creators plus stand-up comedy sketch comedy and most importantly you that's right join us every monday for new episodes and you can be a part of the show on facebook live youtube live and twitch ask questions and interact in the comments and make sure to share this with your actor, comedian, and creator friends so they can be a part of the show too. Can't make a live show? No problem. You can catch up on your favorite podcast platform and visit laughingvikings.com to find out how you can join the cast and crew. All right, it's time for today's show. Buckle up and make sure you stick around to the end because we have a special surprise for you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Laughing Vikings Live. Happy Monday, fun day. Let's go. Guess who's back? Back again. Larzy's back. Tell a friend. Larzy's back. Larzy's back. Larzy's back. Back in the stewed home. Uh, not home. So well, I guess. I was gonna say studio, sweet studio. <laughs> mm, smells mm. like ocean breeze for breeze in here. My favorite <laughs> scent. <laughs> yeah, it's welcome. actually Hawaiian aloha. Is that what it is now? It wow. is. Yes. Well, I, was, I thought that. I was like, oh, it smells like pineapple and ocean and volcanoes here. Only, only the best. For laughing Vikings. Thank you, thank you for welcoming me with a, a just a touch of the smell of Hawaii. Yep, I wanted you who, to remember the oceans. Who needs a vacation to Hawaii when you can just for two dollars and fifty cents buy some Hawaiian aloha for breeze? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They should just make those for every place, and then you don't have to leave anywhere, and you don't ever have to travel. You just spray the smell of oh here's the spray of this is the smell of new york city it smells like hot hot piss and garbage <laughs> Ooh. i mean eventually in the metaverse you will be able to do that you can buy right. sprays that just remind you of garbage yeah smell smell-o-vision yes yeah uh, well welcome everyone welcome everyone on facebook on youtube on twitch uh, watching tuning in live those of you who are listening on the podcast platforms, why aren't you joining us live and you can be a part of the show? Make sure throughout the broadcast, let us know what city you're watching from and interact in the comments, ask questions, be a part of the show. As you know, we shout you out. So if you want to be a part of podcast history, if you're like, ah, 
I, I wish I had a podcast. You don't need to start your own podcast. Just tune in live to ours and you can be a regular contributor with uh, with your comments. Just like Adam Daniel Mose. He's like legend. Any, anyone who listens to, to our podcast has heard that name probably 50 times. And Joanna Whaley uh, mm -hmm. as well. Tons of people. Simba. Simba, Ksenia. Mm -hmm. Yes, all of the Tataroff. So welcome. This is episode 87. Uh, my return, my triumphant return. I drove from New York City back to Toronto today. A brisk nine-hour drive through the mountains. A beautiful day. Uh, smooth sailing. Except I got dinged for a speeding ticket somewhere in buttfuck nowhere in upstate New York. And I was going the same speed as everyone else. There was like three cars that passed at the same time. And I looked behind, he pulls out to me. Um, so, yeah. Now, But uh, there was no fine uh, listed. And I get an opportunity to, to plead guilty or not guilty. Or I can show up in court on June 8th which I will not be doing. Um, so who knows? But other than that, it was great. And one of the things I'm very proud of is there's there would be a day where anything like that bad happening would have really got me down and I would have been like in a grumpy mood and, ah, fuck this guy, fuck the world, fuck this. And I'm just like, oh, I was speeding. I was over the limit. I still don't think I deserved it because everyone speeds. But the guy was doing his job. And then I was... When you do get uh, a speeding ticket, you're obviously a little more conscientious of your driving. So maybe that cop saved me from a horrific, fiery car accident later in my drive. So that's how I like to think of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, by paying the fine, I get to contribute to the New York City and New York State economy. Next time I go down there, their roads, because of my fine, are going to be freshly paved Maybe the guardrails will be reinforced. So I just like to think of it as a state of abundance and a, uh, abundant flow rather than getting all pissed off about it, uh, which I for sure would have been a while back. Uh, and he was quick. He was expedient about it. The whole thing really only took maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then I was back on the road. And nice. then I, I, I do that thing where when he's like, okay, uh, drive safe. And I'm like, thanks, officer. Enjoy your day. And then I peel out of there in his throat throw dirt back on his car <laughs> i speed i speed dukes of hazards uh style down the, down the highway and then he just shakes nice. his fist i'll get you <laughs> you damn kids <laughs> yeah 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 uh, smooth sailing across the border too there's no more covid testing requirements so you don't have to stop uh in Buffalo or Niagara Falls and spend 250 bucks to get a COVID test. Mm. Um, you just have to use the, the app and submit your, and on the app, they have, or there's a, an app called arrive can and you have to upload your vaccination stuff. I think maybe if I wasn't vaxxed, then maybe I have to provide a, a COVID test. So smooth sailing, the, the travel is much smoother than it was during the pandemic and much less costly aside from the potential fines of, speeding tickets nice. don't don't speed everyone no, don't do it i was seriously like we're on the open road it's a divided highway he was on a spot where it's like downhill so i'm like of course there's no way it's like i can't not be speeding am i speeding or is your speed limit too low that's what i'm going to argue i'm going to be like i will i do not accept this I was not speeding. Your speed limit is too low. I was going the exact. Maybe you should say that they need new scanners. The Maybe. scanner, the scanners are wrong, and they need to replace them. 
Yeah, I'll just pull up some uh, obscure YouTube video where some yeah. guy's done his research mm -hmm. about the uh, reliability of radar machines. All it yeah. takes is a, a quick Wikipedia search and you're there. I'm sure there's some loophole I can find. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, was, we should make there. We should make a little announcement that we are going to be broadcasting on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. right now. Uh, yes. I'm doing a fringe show and we rehearse on Monday and Tuesday nights. So for the next probably couple months or so, we will be broadcasting at 6 p.m. on Wednesdays rather than Tuesday. Um, yeah. So if right now uh, you're not here. And you're wondering where we were yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's a new day. We've switched from Mondays to Tuesdays to Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. Maybe someday we'll do in this Thursday. But you yeah. can always catch up online. Um, you can uh, listen to the to the episodes on your favorite podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. So make sure to subscribe so that if you miss the live, you can get the notification and you can catch up. Don't worry mm -hmm. about it. We're, but you should try and be here live. Um, I want to. You might as well plug the Fringe show too. Tell us what the Fringe show is and when that's going to come out and where where people might uh, eventually find tickets for that. Uh, it is going. It is for Kids Fringe. The show is called The Prince's Big Adventure. It was written and is being directed by Stephen Elliott Jackson, who appeared on our podcast. Uh, I can't remember the episode, but go check that out. It was for a show that I did with him called The Laughter which was for Hamilton Fringe. This year it's for Kids Toronto Fringe, which will be at St. Vlad's, uh, which is, I believe, near Spadina and... Spadina and Gerard, or Spadina and uh, College, somewhere around there. Um, so that, that will be very exciting. And I, uh, it's gonna be, again, um, it's gonna be a musical uh, and I have, a, I have a ballad to do, so I'm getting Ooh. ready for that. And that is uh, scary because I haven't sung in years, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. Congrats. That's amazing. Congrats to Steven as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to make sure I check that out. And <laughs> is this the first in-person fringe in two years now? This is the first return, right? Last it year was be, all yes. Zoom. Yes, it will. Ooh. Yes, it will. Yeah. So stand-ups back. Mm-hmm. Live theater is back. Oh. All the the Mervish Theater, Broadway is back open. This is good. It's good. We're getting back to um, to doing the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I also want to share something. Um, you know how they get to the border and they're like, "Do you have any guns? Do you have any cigarettes? Do you have any alcohol? Any cannabis? Anything to declare? Did you buy anything?" This I'll show you. This is the only thing that I had to declare at the border. I got this for Brandon, Little Miss Fabulous. It's oh, a, thank you. New outfit. Yeah, you can Mars. wear it in your you can wear it in your friend's show. Um, that yeah. is if Luna will let you borrow it. Uh, I was at a store. Uh, <laughs> I think I was at it was either Burlington Coat Factory or Marshalls. I think it was Burlington Coat Factory, which is like a factory outlet store um, in New York. And you know when they put you through the the checkout maze and there's all the um, all the impulse buys. This was one of them. There was a little pet section and I saw this and I'm like, I fucking have to get this for Luna. And as long as she doesn't tear it off, this may be Luna's. Uh, Luna's a dog, by the way, for those of you who um, are wondering. It's like, I don't have a tiny baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's my tiny baby. Um, Pug Jack Russell, Luna the Wonder Pug. 
And um, I'm thinking that she's going to be wearing this for life. I can't wait to take her for a walk in the neighborhood and just see the delight on the eyes of people who see her in it, uh, combined with the disdain uh, in her own eyes, potentially. Because I feel <laughs> like she's just going to, like, she'll get used to it. But initially, she's just going to be like, what the fuck are you doing to me? She's a bit yeah. of a tomboy. She's I, Luna's, a bit, Luna's a bit of a tomboy, so I want to girl her up a little bit. I want to get her in touch with her feminine side <laughs> i mean i don't know if luna's ever gonna share that with me um so i mean she's she's definitely gonna rock it i I'm, i'll say that she is Fair she enough. is going to rock it she is going to look fabulous as the dress says so tell you what next time i'm in new york i'll grab you another one this is just a medium what are you are you a large what are you um a medium maybe medium okay fair enough <laughs> Yeah, medium said, large, maybe extra large. Medium know. was, I think, uh, fourteen to six, sixteen inches long, and yeah. um, twenty to twenty to twenty-five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. So, okay. um, some some great news. Obviously, I'm back here in the city. Uh, excited for that. Excited to be back. Although it's always bittersweet leaving New York. I really miss New York as well, but I'll be back now that things are opening. Uh, the borders are more open. I'll be back and forth to do stand up, uh, to do acting gigs down there as well. Graduated from Todorov Conservatory, which was um, a huge accomplishment, something I'm really proud of and, and it was exciting, but also bittersweet. I kind of have that um, like post show blues, missing all my conservatory people in the first week where. I didn't have classes. You're excited to have those 20 hours of classes back, but also missing logging in every day and seeing all these fun, friendly faces and doing all these amazing classes. But we wanted to share something from commencement. Uh, we had the pleasure. I talked about it in last week's episode, episode 86. We had the pleasure of having our commencement address address from the um, national, international treasure Mary Lou Rosado, she's a, a titan of acting, uh, and we I've cut the the uh, the video from the commencement out, and we're going to share it with you. But just to give her a little bit of intro uh, and a little bit of bio for you, uh, Mary Lou Rosado, uh, she was my Shakespeare teacher uh, in the Todorov Conservatory. Um, she was also on episode. What episode was she on? Uh, 56. Us. She was on episode 56. Uh, she did an episode um, as part of our two-parter on understanding Shakespeare. Uh, we had her on episode 56. So you can go back and, and dive a little deeper with her. Mm -hmm. But she was one of the founding members of the acting company and one of the first graduates of Juilliard's uh, School of Drama. So the, Julia, the famous Juilliard in New York was originally Juilliard School of Music. Then they added the drama school. She was in the first graduating class uh, amongst several other uh, acting legends. Um, she was also the co-head of CalArts School of Theater uh, in, in uh, California. Um, she was, she's currently on the faculty of the Yale School of Drama, as well as the Tom Todorov Conservatory faculty. Uh, she's appeared on and off Broadway numerous times in too many um, theater companies to even mention here. Uh, she's got a ton of film and TV credits, including Quiz Show. Um, let me let me read him here. I got to just close something out. Uh, uh, quiz Quiz Show, Hudsucker Proxy, The Wedding Banquet, Two Bits, uh, which she did with Al Pacino, um, 
Brenda, Brenda Starr, uh, she was in John Turturro's Illuminata on TV. She was in Titus. She's been in Law & Order, SVU, K Caroline in the City, The Lot, and Warehouse 13. Just like a ridiculous, um, uh, a ridiculous uh, resume as an actor herself. Mm -hmm. And she's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant teacher. One of the reasons I joined the conservatory and one of the reasons I really fell in love or um, was really had the opportunity to fall in love with Shakespeare all over again. Um, Cause when I was a kid in high school, I was like, ah, what is this? Why am I doing this? Um, and even as an actor later in my life, it was like, okay, Shakespeare is that old timey, those old timey words, but how does that apply to someone wanting to work in TV and film today? So I didn't really understand it until I met Mary Lou and I just learned her passion and her enthusiasm and her wisdom and just how she, breaks down every word and she just fucking loves it so much that you can't help but get wrapped into it. Um, so when I found out she was going to do her commencement address, it was, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. What a blessing. Uh, so we have it here for you. Uh, she gave a speech called Dear Actor, which I want to make and turn into my alarm clock and just hear this every day when I wake up as an actor, as a reminder. So Brandon, you're going to share this. So enjoy this is the legend, the international titan of acting uh, and of acting teaching, uh, Mary Lou Rosato. Hail, graduates, parents, faculty, Tom, Emily, friends. I wrote you a letter. Dear actor, You are about to start a life in the theater. You are about to find yourself challenged and confused and excited and depressed and entertained and frustrated and drawn along a path that you will come to understand is unpredictable. There will be great joy along this path and there will be great sadness. And some days the disappointment will be so overwhelming as to make you feel that the joys are just not worth it for the sadness. But then something extraordinary will happen and the joy will return and you'll forget that the thought even crossed your mind. What will you think? There will be times that you'll lose your way along the path because the life of an actor is a freelance life, which means your opportunities to ply your craft will be maddeningly uncertain. As the theater mirrors nature, the life of an actor mirrors life in all its unpredictability. Sometimes you will experience an embarrassment of riches. You'll awake one day and you'll find you've been offered two, maybe three roles. What to choose? The Shakespeare? or the experimental group down the street, the one that pays nicely, or the one role you've wanted to play, play all your life that pays nothing. Who can help you choose? No one, not the almighty, not Solomon, not the fortune cookie. There is no crystal ball, only you following your own instinct. And then, even then you may feel you chose wrong. Some months will go by, and for some unexplicable reason, there are no auditions, no calls, nothing, not a whimper, not a whistle. They're only seeing actors that are anything but your type, and they tell you, 
or the plays that you've been auditioning for, for some perplexing reason, are the ones that hold no joy for you. Or at this particular moment in your life, you just can't face another general audition. Those days are the most challenging for an actor. Those days are the ones that are, are, are that you must, you must, you must decide. They're like, it's like being in love. Day by day, you must choose whether or not to recommit to this fickle mistress, to stay pursuing this life in the theater or to leave forever. Still, even through those days, those days that are very hard, you know, deep down, if the theater is in your blood, if you know in every part of your being that the theater is the only place where you feel at home, that, that when even walking into a theater, any time, day or night, breathing in the darkness and the dead light staring back at you from the middle of the stage, standing there at the back of the orchestra seats, viewing the empty stage in silence, you get prickles on your arms and you remember, this is where you belong. No matter the bumps in the road, it's all worth it, you think, every moment. And the day will come, uh, it's only around the corner, when seemingly out of the blue, you get cast in a play. And the role that you've been given, which wasn't the one you auditioned for, the one that you, which wasn't the one that you initially wanted to play, the role that you've been given is so extraordinary. The play is so exciting and so moving. You thank your lucky stars that you are getting a part that is so wonderful, so funny, so beautifully written, and you are struck by the mystery that is creativity. And you fall in love all over again, and the challenging days just become the fabric of your career. There will be wonderful moments, dear actor, when standing alone, backstage, waiting to hear your cue to go on, and you look up and you see the raw, unfinished wood of the set, and you'll perhaps run your hand along the smooth canvas of the flats, and you'll think, what a funny life this is. This life I'm living, being an actor in the theater. This pretend world that I inhabit. Oh, how serious we are in this pretend world. Out there under the lights, there is an imaginary life unfolding, an invented world, a story filled with conflict. And back here in the quiet, in the dark, I'm just an actor waiting for a cue, listening to the words of the story and hearing the audience laugh at a line just delivered beautifully by another actor in a scene that I will be entering into in a moment. There are times when you think to yourself, I know my way through this place so well. I know when I'm out in front of the audience and I know it back here in the silent world where no one sees. I can move through it with my eyes closed. I know it's timing like a clock. I know how much time I have experienced between costume changes before I get to my next entrance. I know where to pick up my prop. I know what line to listen for in order to arrive at the stage at the last possible moment before I slip through the narrow hallways and stand first, mindful of the other traffic patterns like my own, and then with my hand on the knob of a door about to enter the stage, I take a breath. 
I know this thrilling world. It might be the most wonderful moment an actor feels, that breath, that moment of anticipation, just before you enter the stage. This pretend world is so real for an actor. Dear actor, there will be moments when no matter what you do in rehearsal or alone in your room pouring over your script or in conversations with your actor friend late at night or with the director with the entire company standing around sighing, waiting for you to get on with this troublesome scene, when you think it's no use, I'm lost, there may never be a way to play this moment. Inside you think, I can't act, I'm a fraud. There's nothing in the world that can make sense of this one tiny moment in my role, the key to the role, maybe. That I can't find, I can't make real. You call Tom Tonroff and he'll be in Australia and can't help you. That day may happen, dear actor, and it may make you question your abilities and your talent, and it, and it torments you in your dreams. And then one day, after you've been playing it for perhaps several weeks, it comes to you in a flash and you try it and it works and you wonder, how did this happen? You think, how astonishing is it that it just came to me like that? Something that was such an enigma, such a Gordian knot, knot has just unloosed and unraveled in a moment. How remarkable all the distress it caused and how difficult it was to make that moment work and, that, and how satisfying that it works now. It's kind of a revelation, kind of a biblical event, the feeling that you get. It's like something miraculous that the ancients were in awe of when it happens. Because no matter how skilled the playwright or how gifted the director, the actor's instinct for how things work is inspired. This world I live in, you will think, this world of the theater, it's mystical, it's magic. Yes, dear actor, it is. Dear actor, I know the temptation that is with us now in this year that you are graduating. It's ubiquitous, it's in everything we do, this pressure on success, on your career, getting it, nailing it, it can be all consuming. But as King Lear says, that way madness lies. Let me shun that. No more of that. I tell you one of the best things that anyone ever told me when I was a young actress, and I'm going to paraphrase now, because the man who said it to me was a famous football coach, uh, the late Hank Stram of the New Orleans Saints. And he was using football metaphors. And he said to me, don't look to your left, don't look to your right, keep your eye on the ball. You remember you're part of a team, you sense them around you, you move forward, knowing that they are there, and you can't get into the end zone without them. But your path is your path. Well, it meant a lot to me, and I sort of had to translate it from the original football lingo. And who knows if I'm reading into it here, but I think he was saying that we're all part of something bigger, something that you know. Some, somehow, as you move forward, you must not allow yourself to be influenced or distracted by what is going on around you and think that you're the only player on the field, but move forward with integrity toward your goal, with the tremendous support of others. You know, I thought about the Greeks 
you told me that. I thought about the first actors moving from town to town, the guilds of the Middle Ages, the king's men of Shakespeare's time, the Canadian troops of Moliere, Edwin Booth, and the touring actors of the 1800s, and the group theater, and the RSC, and all of us. All throughout our long collective history, we are never alone on stage. From age to age, we are a community of actors helping each other, supporting each other, teaching each other. It's bigger than all of us, and to get sidetracked by the distracting bustle around us today is very easy. We need to remind ourselves always and often that we are part of an ancient art form, that it was here before we came, and it will be here long after we are gone. Wherever the human being exists, there is the need to tell a story. We do that, we actors. There is such comfort in that. Yes, we are individuals, are on our own trajectories, and we will go our separate ways. Some will act in film or television, some only on the stage. Some will teach, some will produce plays or direct them or write them. All of us will continue to learn from each other, from everything around us from our imaginations, from our subconscious. We will work on our art form each in our own way. Every day we will learn something new to add to our skill, to our craft, to the work we are dedicated to bringing to life. We need each other. We work together to create something hopefully true and good if we're lucky and timeless if we're very, very lucky and universal. The end zone, going back to that football story I was telling you, is a metaphor for many things. It's being cast in a role, it's the end of a rehearsal period, it's the excitement of opening night, it's taking the bow at the end of a performance that you sense deep in your soul is very, 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 very good indeed. Or maybe it's the night of the Academy Award ceremony sometime in the future, sitting in a seat on the aisle waiting for a group of names to be read. But for me, it is also a metaphor for a happy life, a life in the theater. The everyday path full of wonder and learning and collaboration, the kind of success that is worth more than all the YouTube hits you can brag about. That success is something quiet and personal and all your own. A life in the theater is all I wish for you, dear actors, as you graduate today with your bags packed full of knowledge and adventure. May you experience the joy of moving forward on this glorious path. Congratulations, class of 2022, and lots of love from Mary Lou. Boom. I love I love how she, oh, nope, Lars, turn on your mic. Mary Lou Rosado, what a gem. Yeah, what were you saying? You love... I can't remember. <laughs> uh, I, I sorry. I love how it rhymed at the end. Oh, what'd she say? Uh, class of twenty-two, love from Mary Lou. Yeah, I think that's what she said. Yeah, yeah. yeah she. Um, I mean, we were over Zoom for commencement, um, but I know that all of us were like very moved by it, and even almost more the second time when I watched this a few days later, that like I was like quivering lip and just really like welling up and feeling that um, a few things that I love 
her description of being backstage that's something that i really miss of being in the wings or you're you're backstage it's dark you you sense the energy of the audience or maybe you can hear the hush and the the mumble mumble of the audience but you're backstage in that moment before where you got a little butterflies but you're excited to get out there maybe you catch the eyes you look down uh, in the wings or behind the curtain and you can catch the eyes of another actor or scene partner on their entrance, all those little private moments behind, behind the curtains or behind the set. Um, yeah, it's such a, and just how she paints the picture of what a special place the theater is. Um, I know that, I don't know about for you, but every time and for, for stand up and for theater for me, but every time I'm in a venue, it doesn't matter whether it's a bar or a fancy theater uh, or an arena, if there's a stage and lights and seats, I'm like, I get that feeling where I'm like, oh, I, I fucking love this place just because there is something magical about it and there's something special about it. And it is a sacred space. It has so much history. As she mentioned just dating back to the Greeks and these traveling troops and, and into Shakespeare days. Um, there's something special about actors and, and artists and, and storytelling um i'm excited for you to do that show and to get back to live theater um and i'd be lying if i said i wasn't a little jealous i gotta get back on stage and do a show right now because that uh yeah you do we, it you're doing well on friday we've all am i what friday when comedy alley. oh well i'm doing comedy alley yeah yeah, yeah. i mean a, I mean a, a stage a stage show is something different oh, okay. stand, i mean stand up i love stand up as well but then there's there's something different about a um about a theater show mm -hmm. um and then yeah a couple other things that stand out um she mentioned um the moment of when when you're working on something when you're working on a role and there's just a line that you're like ah god i don't know how to say this i, I like this moment this beat i can't get this like this i don't know how to make it seem authentic or why am i saying this right now and you you work on it you work on it whether it's in rehearsal or during performance but then just that moment where it's like that aha light bulb where you're like, oh, now I know what the fuck I'm saying here. And you finally figure that out. Have you had that? Oh, oh, hundreds of times. And yeah. that's that's something I wrote down as well. I, I've been there so many times where I, I want I want the line. I want the line to make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. I Why doesn't it make sense? And I'm ripping out my hair going why can't I make this line make sense? And then finally it just sort of clicks. And like, it, it's usually by accident. Most right. of the time, like right. it, it's like an experiment and then you, it's something blows up and it magically works. Well, and yeah. Like, you, How the, did this happen? You feel it too. And you yeah. if there's ever a line, um, I mean, we all know we've all been there where you're saying a line and you do feel like you're acting. Mm -hmm. um, and you're like, Oh, that just like, that's not me. That didn't sound like, I don't believe that. Like you say it and you're like in your head, you're like bullshit as you're saying it. Yeah. Um, and you can't make sense <laughs> of it. And then it just clicks and you feel it. And you are like, that was it. That felt completely organic. It made sense. It was truthful. Um, the yeah, audience I, totally I remember the moment that Shakespeare made sense for me. Like I, I was doing a workshop in Stratford, Ontario, uh, where they have the Stratford Festival, which is a huge Shakespeare festival in the summer. And I was doing a workshop there and I was working on the Iago monologue from um, Othello, which was, uh, what's he then that says I play the villain? 
and it wasn't making sense for the longest time. And I kept playing this blanket villain and it didn't make sense. It wasn't good. And I hated it. And it wasn't until like a weekend that I was like, I'm not playing a villain. Right. Right. I shouldn't ever be playing a villain because I'm not. Villains Iago don't think doesn't think villain. he's a villain. He's doing the right thing for himself. Right. And right. when it when it finally when I finally wrap my head around that, everything clicked into place. Iambic pentameter clicked into place. Operative words clicked into place. Beats clicked into place. It made everything. Everything from there, from that point on, made sense. And it, there was a long period of time where I felt like I didn't deserve to know that and I didn't deserve to have like to understand it. Right. And it felt like it, it was very much imposter syndrome where I was like, this, this, I shouldn't be understanding this as well as I do. And um, it, it took me a long time to finally get over that feeling and to say, no, you're, you understand this because you put in the work because right. you finally got out of your own way and said, I'm better than what I, what people labeled me as. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's a huge challenge with Shakespeare for most people is your first experience of it is what the heck does this mean? They're, they're mm -hmm. often, they're often, I mean, it's heightened language. It's, it's maybe phrases that we're not used to. And, and it's so eloquently written that it's not really written in a way that we necessarily speak today. Mm -hmm. So it, it is about going through it like, with a fine tooth comb. Um, I mean, understanding iambic pentameter, understanding operative words and looking at the verbs, looking at the nouns, um, and then word by word, line by line, thought by thought going through it. What is this? What is that? Where are the beat shifts? Like mm -hmm. any, anytime you say, but, or yet that's a turn where you're, where you're, you're going one way with your thought and then you're going another way with your thoughts, mm -hmm. or is it a parenthetical to yourself? Um, is it an opposite where you're playing um, uh, antitheticals against each other? Um, and it is it is work to to figure that out versus just regular uh, everyday modern language. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that Mary Lou taught us all very well and, and demonstrated how deep like she's been studying Shakespeare now for like 50 years and she'll work on a piece and then she'll have a new thought and she'll be like, you know what? I never thought of this way or the way you said that she'll sometimes it will be formed informed by an actor's performance. Mm -hmm. Be like, you know what? I never this never occurred to me, but I think this is what's happening here. So it's like she just peels it back and peels it back. And there's always another layer, uh, which is the, the brilliance of Shakespeare. And then to the point where once you spend that time and as Tom Todorov likes to say, uh, love takes time and love makes time. You put that much time in it, uh, boost your confidence. And then there's never a monologue like a courtroom monologue or a um, procedural drama or a, like a surgery or, or a, like a, a hospital drama where there's all kinds of lingo and jargon. Once you've spent enough time to figure out a Shakespeare monologue, there's nothing else that will ever be as daunting as that, so, which is one of the, uh, the values of working on Shakespeare, just because you as an actor feel like, OK, I've. I've climbed to the top of Shakespeare mountain and everything is molehills compared to Shakespeare mountain. Um, the other thing that she mentioned too, that, that really stuck out to me was, um, was the idea of a team and the idea of that it's greater than you. So not just getting stuck in your own ego of, 
I got to be impressive and I got to be a performer and nail everything perfectly. It's well, no, you're a storyteller. So it's how do you serve the story? How do you play your part in an ensemble, in a team? How do you um, and, and just also the fact that you are a storyteller at the end of the day. So you're not you're not necessarily a performer or an actor. It's you're a storyteller. So if you're doing things that aren't telling the story or if you're performing or, or doing things in a way that don't serve the story or aren't communicating the story to the audience, then what are you really doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really love I just love the that she talked about community and she talked about being a part of something bigger, which is something that I love. I, I relate to that now through laughing Vikings and through actors audition club acting can be, and, and even stand up can be a very lone wolf career where you feel it's like all about me, 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 me. And you're, you're driving to book the role and you're competing against other people. But then as soon as you look at it as community, then it just becomes a lot more fun. It becomes a lot more loving um, we've talked about uh, we we often highlight people here here who have booked roles recently, and I know that's one of our favorite things is hearing actors who come here and we work with them on their auditions, and then they book this role of a lifetime in TV, film, theater, um, and it feels as like as good if not better than booking your own role, knowing that you've helped someone else. So mm-hmm. um, I love that part. Um, and there was one other, uh, there was one other thing right at the end that she mentioned, but um, I think I lost it. Anything else that stuck out to you? Well, the the team thing really stuck out to me. That's that's one of the reasons I got into theater and performing in the first place. Um, but it, it also reminded me of a conversation that I had with Tom Totteroff and Emily Moulton um, last week, where they were talking about why they do classes and prefer classes to. Uh, individual, uh, like one-on-one work, because you learn more in a team, and that that's their that's their big philosophy. Is they, they want you to be part of this team, they want you to be part of this community that they're building together, and that we're all building because we're all in this Saturday workshop, doing the conservatory, doing the summer workshop, doing all these things with this company, so that we all learn progressively together, and that's what it's all about. Because when you learn together, you build those partnerships, you build that team, that that base so that you don't feel like you're completely alone and that you it's you against the world. And I, I know there was a lot of points uh, last couple of weeks where you've been gone, where I felt really lost. And like it's it's been it's been difficult sometimes. Uh, it's been a huge learning experience, um, but like it it has been it has eaten at me a couple days. Like some days have been really hard here. Um, but it, it's, again, it's been a great learning experience. I, this team here is such, it, again, Actors Audition Club is such a fabulous team. The people that book and like do really well and come in and bring their ideas and bring bring who they are to the performances it, is so great to see and it's so uplifting. But again, there's some times where even even days here really do eat at you because like you you feel like it's it's very overwhelming that's life baby i know yeah well i i want to take a second and just acknowledge you for all the hard work that you've done Uh, i've been i was in new york for a better part of three weeks uh, which means you're running all the sessions or the the large majority of the sessions here 
at the studio and taking great care of people. I see the um, the replies from agents after they get there. Um, so we we help them and then we send it to them, uh, to their agents or to casting. And often the agents reply, terrific, fantastic, love it, amazing. And we get great feedback from um, from the agents and often from the actors. And we get great reviews. We're on a roll of five-star reviews. And you're a huge part of that. So never forget that. Um, and also the other thing, maybe I'll say, um, I could have... Uh, I could have improved my communication while I was down there, but also I'll just say it right now. If you're ever feeling like that, doesn't matter whether I'm in town or out of town, just reach out to me and we can have a conversation if that's helps moving forward. And, and we, I mean, we can talk more about that tonight um, off air if you like. Um, but yeah, you're a huge part of this community. I know that there's dozens of actors here in actors audition club that are very, very grateful for all the work and, and um would attribute a lot of their success to you and to some of your directions and redirections and helping them hone and craft their auditions so that they are better storytellers and that they're finding little gems and little beats inside a, a performance that maybe other actors weren't finding because they weren't spending the the time and, and uh, the love, as Tom says, love makes time, love takes time. Um, and the more you love something, the more you spend time on it. And if you want to look at what you love in life, look at what you're really spending your time on. And if you're thinking, I should be loving that more, most likely means you need to spend more time at it, uh, whether it's acting or whether it's relationship. So um, thank you for everything that you do here. So, yeah. Um, what else? What else we got? Anything else from Mary Lou? Uh, let me double check my notes. I, I think the the one other thing just to, to hammer it home is... And, and because she she does bring it up off the top right like it some days are very hard in this business like some some days you, you feel like um you, you don't know what you're doing you don't know if, if people think about you or because again we we talk about this a lot lars but like there's a lot of times where you are waiting on the emails to come through or right. something to something to cave in or something to go your way um, and sometimes it's finding different ways to get that good vibe feeling. And, and sometimes that's, that's, that's hard. And sometimes you just want to sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock, but you can't, you, you have to pick right. yourself up. You have to say, I am worth it. However that comes to you. Right. And, and, and know that we, we experience those days just as much as any other actor out there. Yeah, we're, a, we're still trying to figure this out. The challenge of any art is it's a freelance thing and, and mm -hmm. you're looking to monetize an art form. And it's this double-edged sword of loving something so much that you would do it for free as well. So then how do you value yourself? um economically in the market um, and make that happen um and there every actor there's no linear path so that's the other strange thing about this is most other career paths you graduate college and you do an internship and you work for a company and there's a clear corporate ladder that you you that has raises built into it and stock options and um all of those kind of things and and you get more vacation pay and and everything progresses in a in a path that's been prescribed for you but the life of an artist as beautiful as it is is not like that which which is the benefit of it is you you get to this unpredictable 
life that who knows where it will lead you. But the downside to it is it is unpredictable and monetarily it's also unpredictable. There's huge windfalls to be gained for people who work very hard at it and people will stick it out. But that's always through these ups and downs and, and peaks and valleys and near misses and near wins and big wins followed by big losses. Like as an example, I, I've, I've, I've almost booked life-changing roles. I've been on hold for things that I've lost. I've filmed things that then never went to air. So it's like a national campaign where in my head I'm thinking five, six figures. And then the company decides to scrap the whole marketing campaign and they never even release it. So, um, or, or being, being booked for something that's the, I've, that's how this happened to me book booked for, um, network TV show where I think it's going to be a fucking cool role. Amazing. I'm super pumped. I worked really hard to get it and I get pinned for it. And then through rewrites or through schedule changes or through location changes, the part goes away and they never end up shooting it. And, yep. and then the next step to that is there's, if all goes well in your career, you'll be booked to be in a pilot episode um, for a series that could be a life changer. And then the pilot doesn't get picked up or you get booked in a, in a full season of something. And you're like, this is it. This is my office. Um, I'm going to be in the next office. And then it gets canceled after season one. Um, that was for me, that was almost genius. I was on a show that was brilliant. Uh, like it was, I don't know if it was brilliant. It was, um, it was lowbrow comedy, but it was the most, one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life. Ensemble cast of stand-up sketch and improv comedians doing all these wacky characters every day. Just a dream job for three months working in a dream uh, in a green screen studio, thinking like, if this just continues to get renewed, I'm making twenty five hundred bucks a week doing these. Uh, I'm in the studio three four days a week, just doing fun wacky stuff with people I fucking love. Like I would, I'll do this forever. And it didn't get picked up for a second season. Um, and that's just the the life of the business, but. I think the lesson too is, is enjoy the journey as much as the destination. Know that there isn't a destination really. That quote from Jim Carrey sticks out to me where he says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous so that they could realize that that's not the answer. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to that top of the mountain and you're like, well, now what? I'm yeah. still the same person with the same insecurities and the same problems and, and maybe more problems because I have all of fame and money to, um, to enhance all of the the demons in me and, and the problems within me and, and all those things. So it's like more mo money, more problems for some people. Yeah. Um, but I think you, you anchor yourself in the love, the love of the art, the love of the, the community and the people. And then as Mary Lou said, what, what you're, you're a part of something bigger than you. So why are you doing it in the first place? You're doing it to tell these stories or to tell the greatest story ever told, or for some people to tell your story, um, the story that no one else has written. So you decide, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to wait for a gatekeeper. I'm not going to wait for a, an audition. I'm going to write my series, my story, the story that I think needs to be told. And then you be the champion of that. And next thing you know, you're the writer, creator, star, director of your own thing that then has the opportunity to impact millions of people. And then like one day you're an old man or an old woman and some little kid comes up to you and, you, and they're like, you know what? When I was a kid, I saw this and you're the fucking reason I decided to be an actor. You're the reason I got into stand-up comedy. You're the reason I quit my corporate job that I didn't love. And you're the reason that I followed my dreams. Like that's the, the stuff that you got to anchor yourself to, not the day-to-day minutiae of, 
being let down or being getting a booking, then losing a booking or wanting an audition, but then not getting it. Um, and all the imposter syndrome things that come up or potentially the, the financial stresses and, and struggles that happen along the way. Um, all that stuff is just growing pains and, and hopefully you enjoy the journey. And then you, at the end of your life, you look back and be like, you know what? I'm glad I did this. I did it my way and I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, before, before we all. get to the quote, um, I do want to give one client shout out to Ooh, Asha. Client shout out. Yes. Asha Vijaya Singham, who booked a principal role in a movie of the week. Um, I believe this is the first role we've booked together and I'm, I'm very super excited for Asha. She's awesome. She, she's a great theatrical performer, fantastic on film. I love working with Asha. She is fantastic. And so congratulations to her. I'm, I'm really fucking happy for her. Yeah. Congratulations, Asha. Uh, she's always bubbly and smiley when she arrives. She's, she's got a energy and, and always a little bit of a twinkle in her eye, a little bit of mischief. Um, she's got this, this serious side to her, but also a really fun, silly side to her. And she's one of the OG laughing Vikings. I think she's been coming here since we, the year we opened since 2017. So I think she's been coming here now for five years and, um, she's a member. And, and speaking of actors audition club, um, if you go to laughingvikings.com slash links, uh, you can book yourself in for a session here at the studio or via zoom. You can also access our three-day Audition Hero training event, and you can join the wait list for the next time we open the doors to the membership here at Actors Audition Club. Uh, you'll find all of that information at laughingvikings.com slash links. Uh, now, I also, uh, before we wrap it up here, uh, this is Comedy Alley opening weekend, baby. Opening weekend, May 20th, May 21st. We got a lineup on Friday. Uh, all of the lineups are, are um, pro comics as seen on Just for Laughs, Netflix, JFL42, CBC, Crave, Hulu, HBO, all of the streaming services. These are pros who have headlined uh, comedy clubs across the country and others. They've uh, done all the festivals across the world. Uh, and we got them right here in our intimate outdoor alley. This week on opening night, it's going to star um, Mark Hallworth, Rochelle Lozon, Monty Scott and Rodrigo Fernandez stole. Uh, so it's going to be a great lineup. I'll be hosting those. You can go to laughingvikings.com slash comedy alley. Uh, we're about half sold out right now. So go to laughingvikings.com slash comedy alley. And I'll tell you a little hint. We don't always give these out, but if you use VIP guest, the promo code VIP guest, you'll get 50% off your ticket. So go, 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 grab those tickets before they're sold out. All right. You want to you wanna hear a quote, Lars? Yeah. Give me a quote to inspire my week. Our quote this week comes from Liza Minnelli. She says, dream on it. Let your mind take you to places you would like to go. Then think about it and plan it and celebrate the possibilities. And don't listen to anyone who doesn't know how to dream. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I think that we've talked about this before. I know we certainly talked about it in that uh, Audition Hero event. Um, mm-hmm. That people, if you missed that, you can go back and access the replays. 
but um, your dreams were given to you. Those little whispers in your ears or, or the, the visions you have or the actual literal dreams you have at night when you're dreaming, they're given to you. Um, no one else. So you don't need another person to validate those. You don't need your parents. You don't need your family, friends. You don't need your internet trolls to agree with you. Those dreams are your dreams. So believe in those dreams and be the hero of your own dreams and and the the writer and director of your own hero's journey in your own life and, and look out at your life and say, how do I want my life to be? What do I want my story to be? And then as Tom, our acting coach, uh, mentions, dream, plan, reality, dream, plan, reality. So have those dreams, then make them happen. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, but fuck anyone who doesn't believe in you because you don't need them to believe in you. If 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 the dreams were meant for them, they would have had the dreams. And also just realize a lot of people who are naysayers towards other people's dreams, that's their ego making them feel better because they either gave up on their own dreams or for one other reason or another just didn't have anything bigger to aspire to. So how do they make themselves feel better? Like a crab in a bucket, they want to pull other people down around them so that then they feel better or validated or justified in the fact that they're living um a life that's less than what they could have been. So never, never mind those people. They're, they're, they have, they're inconsequential to your life and they're certainly in, inconsequential to your dreams. And the hard part is when they are a spouse or a parent or a brother or sister or someone that's very close to you because they have a larger influence than you, than a, than a stranger, but you still have to block that out and decide how much time you're going to spend with them and, or how much time you're going to listen to them and just stay true to your own dreams. All right. I think that's it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you all next Wednesday. Thank you. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Comedy Alley. Comedy Alley starting this week. Come to the alley. You'll have a magical time. Tickets are going. They're going hot. They're going like hotcakes. They're flying. They're flying off the shelves. Flying off the shelves like hotcakes. It's like the IHOP in this alley. Maybe we should sell pancakes, like hotcakes. These these hotcakes are selling like (laughs) hotcakes. All right. right. Good to see everyone. We'll see you next week, or we'll see you in the alley. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Bye-bye.